Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's going on, you Affirminators? This is Alvin Williams alongside my partner in True Crime, and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. What up? I have mic difficulties. Yeah, he Sorry. is. He's fumbling like a baby. Um, you good? Yeah, my thing is uh, getting loose. Hello? Can I hear myself? Oh, okay. Yeah, you good. You all right? I, would, I keep forgetting my drunk? headphones and that on. <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay, all right, cool. Um, yeah, so like I said, welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. Uh, I have a new outlook on you listeners, man. Um, it has been... Friend, you put up some kind of post. Oh yeah, it was on, pretty funny on, on on Friday or one of those days, I uh-huh. believe. And people's true colors came out, man. <laughs> I am uncomfortable. I don't trust any of our listeners anymore. Uh, it has been a time of reflection for me about whether that I even even want to continue this podcast because mm-hmm. to know the kind of evil people that listen to our our, our show, right? It, it made me go. Do I really want to be giving these people what they want? Do I really want to be giving them Fran Star every week and they going crazy? Why would I reward these people with 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 this premium ear content when they have the darkest stories behind their eyes? Mm. Evil, pure, pure evil behind them. One person, one person said, the question was, uh, "You're a burglar, but instead of stealing things, you do things to mildly inconvenience your victims. What is your crime?" One of you people. I'm not going to say a name because I think you could go to jail for this and I don't believe that you didn't do it. One of you people said that you would put shrimp shells in the curtain rods, all the curtain rods in the house, which is already disgusting Mm. and diabolical. And how do you even think of something (laughs) like that? Then they said, uh, uh, somebody else said, uh, they would, uh, what is this? It's so much... I don't even know which one. What's the next one to pick? Somebody. Oh, this is the craziest one I saw. Somebody said they were going to set all the clocks one minute off and set alarms for 3 a.m., which is the witching hour for the devil. Mm-hmm. So I'm on to you, sir. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say his name, but sir, I'm on to you. You, 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 uh, you Satanist. Uh, so then he said he would skew every picture frame, meaning stab something through it. Mm. To just maybe through a person and be like, now that person's like, am I a target? Am I next? What is this? Somebody said he's gonna move everything to the left an inch or something like That's that. That's psychotic, man. <laughs> man. You people, you people are sick. You people are sick, man. But you know what? We're family, and even though I'm not gonna have an alibi for you, if the police come knocking on my door, 
I will put some money on your books because I got love for you. I don't know if Frank can say the same thing, but me, I'll nope. let you buy some honey buns. And, you know, I, it's on me. 20 bucks. <laughs> I got you. I'll send you 20 bucks. You can get some honey buns and you can commissary it up on me. But I'm not a part of any of these despicable things that you guys are saying. Filthy individuals. <laughs> really brought the true colors. I'm really ashamed. And France laughing it up, loving it. Living <laughs> it's it up. Hilarious. Oh, it's hilarious. It was great. Funny. We're all debaucherous. <laughs> not me. You see, I didn't comment. Because I wouldn't do anything like that. Yeah, you did. I commented and said, oh, God, no. Oh. I don't think I commented. Yeah, you did. Did I? You might have been one of the first people that commented on You it. know what it was? And then you was, like, and you was like, I don't want to play this game anymore. Yeah, you know what it was? <laughs> I said something light. Like, man, you know, I would uh, put their fingers in water while they're asleep. <laughs> and then somebody was like, I would come in there and put blood on all the walls. I was like, "Oh God, no!" It got out of hand really quickly. Yeah, it really got. It got. It got out of hand really quickly, and I didn't. I no longer wanted to be a part of it. I felt. I feared for my safety, and I wanted out. Anyway, folks, um, you know where you are, and you know what we do here. We talk about murder, but you know, before we get into that, we have a little new segment. But before I, you know, before we get into that, I got a little off track with how um, jarring that was. I was very rude, and I didn't ask, "How are you doing today, friend?" I'm doing pretty good, man. It's been like a wild week at work, man. Like, like, wild, like hitting the pavement hard. No, nah, I mean like just people, just like the people I come across. It was like I had this one lady where it's like when I go to her house, uh-huh. uh, I give her dog bones sometimes. It's like like it's, you just keep bones on you. Yeah, got like a bag of dog bones in my uh, like is a box. Is that a customary uh, post office? It's just no. Nah, some people, a lot of people, you're not supposed to do it, but some people just do it, you know, just to to make a to relationship. Be, yeah, with the your, dog, with your right? Route. Yeah, so it's like an 80 year old lady there. Uh huh. And like I gave a dog a bone, I usually don't see her too much. Yeah, I gave a dog a bone. Nick knack paddywhack. Yeah, and then she was like, "Where's my bone?" I was like, "What?" what? <laughs> I was like, "I was like, uh, ha, funny." And then I like, I like drove off. Like, no, seriously. Yeah, <laughs> I like drove off. And then like the other day, it was like I think it was Thursday. It was this this white this white kid, and he was he was friendly uh-huh. and like. Like I got a these, kid, kid. Yeah, I got the. He was probably like ten, maybe. Got okay. these boxes. I got you know the cluster boxes. You put the mail in. Right. So he comes up, he pops up out of the, it's like in a gazebo. So he pops up off, like, it's like a brick wall. So he pops up around that. Uh-huh. And then he made, like, a bow and arrow out of, like, stick and a shoestring. Oh. And then, like, he was like. Right. And he, this like. This was a white kid. Yeah. He, like, okay, pointed at me, yeah, was like, it. bow, bitch. And then, like, ran off. He hit you? I was, con- no, it was, oh. like, it didn't work. <laughs> I was confused. I was so confused. I've yeah, never been. shoot somebody. <laughs> I've never been so confused. It was, yeah, no. it was crazy. It was, bow, like. bitch. I was, like, I was dying. I was, like, I looked around, like, did anybody else? Just see what just happened just now. Yeah, that was weird. That's weird. That shit was hilarious, man. People are. It's it's crazy how many people you run into that do some weird shit on the street. It's it's that's, insane. That's that's strange. That's that's, that's up there. Yeah, man. Uh, to give a dog a bone, the lady. That's crazy. Yeah, that's Sleep like pure like craziness in this in its rawest form. Where, but she like, where's my bone? She was like, where's my bone? Yeah, it was like that. Oh, it was like that. Yeah. Oh, I would have. Yeah, I would have got my car immediately. <laughs> I was like, ha. Yeah, yeah. That's how I was. I you, you, that was similar to when that lady told me that my dick was bleeding. You had the same <laughs> reaction to like, oh, what? But I, I didn't. I was dumb enough to go back in and be like, what you what? What did no, you say? Uh, you got out. No, that was I smart. That was yeah, smart. Your instincts are stronger than mine. Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. No. Um. I actually uh, took the week off. You know. Um. Oh, cool. It was a little slow at the Juggalo Club, and also, <laughs> uh, my basement flooded. Oh yeah, you talk about that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, did did I talk about that? Yeah. Oh, did I? Uh, senior sir, I think. Okay, yeah. Well, anyway, had to clean that up real quick. wasn't anything drastic, anyway. But I was so taken aback, and also it was a little slow at the titty bar, you know, male titties. Um, so Whoa. I took the week off. 
Do we, we, we all have titties, bro. It's 2018. Grow up. At the, what, what do you mean, male titty bar? What do you mean? Male titties. I have male titties. I, I mean, what kind of what kind of bar for women? Yeah. Oh, I'm a male. I, I thought, have male's titties. Oh, I thought you. My was, male I, titties are on display. At the I thought you was bar. doing it for other men. That's why I was like, whoa. I mean, whatever pays the bills, bro. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah, you know. Hey, <laughs> um, we're gonna get out of that. Uh, um, <laughs> all right. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, now that I've um taken care of my uh um pleasantries and, and, and um redeemed myself for being rude, it is time for us to jump into our good vibe segment. Um, so let's talk about the good vibes of the week. All right, folks, you know what it is. We got another installment of Good Vibes of the Week where we, you know, just kind of bring some positive energy to um, this circle before we get into some darker shit. So, Fran, if you don't mind lightening things up a little bit and telling us your Good Vibes story for this week. Uh, my Good Vibes story for this week is about um, a, Siberian, a, a Siberian Husky. Cute. Have you heard about that story? It was the Siberian Husky that got lost um, and the owner of the dog uh, did a missing report. No. For the dog. <clears throat> and then the police found the dog. Okay. It was it was um watched by some teenagers and it was very malnourished. Uh, very malnourished dog. So mm-hmm. they got into contact with the guy and the police called the guy was like, Hey, you know, we the dog you, the description fits the fits your dog. He was oh. like, Okay. And he's like, Do you want to come down and check it out, see if it's your dog? He was like, No, I don't need to. Play the song and then if he howls, then that's, that's my, my dog. Because that's that's the sound. So I'm gonna put the video up on on Facebook or whatever. Okay. But, so he played the song, and the song was, let's see, um, sorry about this. Uh, it's it's from a is is Israeli sitcom called oh. Shemish. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. They played the song. I don't know. You're not gonna recognize it. Like, oh, I know that song. But was it like a? No, it was no? not like that. No, okay, no. cool. <laughs> but um, it said it's is Israeli sitcom called Shemish, uh-huh. or the introduction to the child's show Arthur. But I don't, I don't, I don't think it's. Yeah, uh, I know the Arthur song. Yeah, me too. But that's but not in another language. Me either. But it's, it's no lyrics. It's just it's just music. Oh, just the music. Yeah, music. And they might have took the music and put lyrics Maybe. over for Arthur. That's cool. Uh, but um, yeah. So they they played the song, and then if you look at the video, it's like the dog was all sad. He had his head down. They played that song, and then he was like he like looked up and like turned his head. You know how dogs turn uh-huh, their head? Yeah. And he was like. Bah! Started howling, wow. and it was like, "This is your dog." And wow. then, yep. And then the owner came down, and that dog got super excited. Got oh, the up. Whole, this whole thing is on video. Yeah, it's on video. He got oh, up, started wow. licking the owner, and everything. That when the beginning of the video, that dog looked so sad and yeah. like hungry and just tired. It's just yeah, man. That when the owner got there, that dog lit up. It was crazy. That's what. Yeah, that's 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 an incredible story, and that's what happened to Nico. Oh, I remember you my, telling yeah, me my, that. Yeah, my uh, my first dog that I had. Uh, got lost on during Fourth of July. He was very scared of fireworks, mm-hmm. and he was gone. We put out posters and all this kind of stuff. He was probably gone for like nine days. Dave's gone that long. It was something like that. My mom was devastated, and um, you were devastated. I was too. <laughs> that was my dog. Um, and somebody found him. So it had been like nine days. But it turned out somebody had found him the night that he got lost. He had okay. ran and crawled into a sewer All right. to get away from the noise. And they pulled him out, and he was this big, fluffy Samoyed. Beautiful dog. Big, beautiful dog. 
everywhere we I mean he was like a superstar. Everywhere right. we took him, everybody wanted to take pictures and it was it was the closest thing to walking around a celebrity that I've ever felt in my life. Like mm-hmm. it was very much like you had to stop. Yeah. And that was a beautiful thing. You dog. had to stop and yeah. do stuff. And but they had to cut off all his fur because they had like gunk in it and oh, all this kind okay. of stuff. So when we pulled up to get him, he was like real small because all the fur was <laughs> off of him. But it was just if that I know that feeling of like you think your dog's gone and then you get that phone call. Yeah. It's really is a really great phone call to get. Like it is, it is. You just it's like a weight off your shoulder. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. That's yeah. a. I'm a, I, I I'm really a, want to see that video. Yeah, I'm gonna play that video. It, it was it was it was insane. It was crazy. That is that is that is um that's really good vibes. That's a really positive story. Um. My good vibe story for this week is a little different. Uh, I think it's more of a story of comeuppance. Um, some might call my good vibe story for this week a little petty, but I don't care. Um, rapper Vince Staples was at Coachella this weekend, and um, he got asked a question by a woman named Nadeska. She's kind of like a video jockey, kind of she does complex music, uh, complex news and stuff like that. And she uh, was just kind of having a back and forth conversation with him. And then the topic fell on to Mr. R. Kelly, the Pied Piper, and uh, he had some choice words for um, R. Kelly, and I want to play that clip right now because it, it puts a smile on my face because finally, you know, so, nope, somebody isn't afraid of since, not since Mr. David Chappelle, mm-hmm. has there been somebody not afraid to just go, hey man, you're weird and mm-hmm. somebody needs to say something because this shit is, what you're doing is crazy. Right. So I want to play that clip really quick. Kelly like, never went to jail. He's a fucking child okay, molester. Okay, let's never talk about all He's R. a Kelly. child molester. We can't ever talk about this well, I'm guy. Saying, he's a child no, molester no, and he no, pees no, on people no. and he can't read and write and he didn't go to jail. I'm a good person. R. Kelly, a piece of fucking shit. So, piece of fucking shit, R. Kelly didn't go to jail for being a child molester and peeing on people and having a human trafficking ring in Atlanta, then I'll be all right. You're about to get me fired from Coachella. It's my first time here listening to you right now. Yeah. He don't work. Why are you getting me fired because of R. Kelly? They should have booked R. Kelly if they like R. Kelly so much. He would have pissed on somebody in the crowd. Yo, Because he pees on children. All right, folks. I want to give it up for Vince Staples one time. I really want to give it up for Vince Staples. I think, and also, since this clip has come out, uh, he has been dropped by his manager, his assistant has quit, and somebody else from his camp has quit. Damn. I think that Vince Staples will turn out to be the Hannibal Burris of uh, of R. Kelly's career in the sense that Hannibal Burris did a joke about Bill Cosby a few years ago. And apparently everybody in Hollywood already kind of knew about some of the allegations against Bill Cosby, mm-hmm. but it hadn't made it to public, the public world. Mm-hmm. And Hannibal Burris did a joke on stage, and it kind of created this firestorm. Him saying it on stage and somebody recorded him saying it on stage and then that video went viral of him telling the joke and then people were like, wait, what? Bill Cosby does what? And I'm not saying, I don't think people don't know R. Kelly is a weirdo, but you kind of gloss over it. But then somebody hitting you with some raw information where you Mm -hmm. can't, where you hear this guy yelling about R. Kelly, it's not, that's not escapable. You kind of got to sit back and if you just got listening, got done listening to Move Your Body Like a Snake Ma, which is a great song, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. <laughs> R. Kelly has slappers. Like right. R. Kelly has undeniable bangers. Step in the Name of My Love, Step in the Name of Love is a cookout classic. Mm-hmm. And I don't I think that you can separate art from man. And I think we need to do that. I think R. Kelly, we need to cancel R. Kelly. No more defending him if you're defending him. I don't know what there is to defend. And I think that it got so bad that people aren't, they're not defending him anymore. Mm. That now they're just like, just, let's just not even talk about it. Right. But Vince Staples was like, no, fuck that. This guy, just last year, it was like, it came out, R. Kelly is like, my, like 50 almost. And he is dating a 17 year old girl that it came out that he like grooms women to be like, 
wear this, don't wear this, mm. don't talk to them, don't go here, move into my house. I have several girlfriends living in my house. That is a that's a sex cult. Yeah. But I mean like was it necessary? No. What? I don't Vince think it was necessary. Was yeah. And it was like he it must was... have thought about that before he said that. Oh, I'm sure. But yeah. why aren't we all? I, we've discussed R. Kelly on this podcast before, him dating Aaliyah. That's mm-hmm. gross. She was 15. He was right. like 30 years old. But we just kind of, it's like, yeah, that was weird. But like, anyways. But like, no, this guy's weird, man. I'm, you know, was it necessary? No. But a lot of stuff isn't necessary. There's a lot of stuff that's not necessary that people say, but needs to be said. I don't think nobody's going to. I don't think that's gonna uh, do anything. I don't. I don't think that's gonna go far. His manager way. quit. And his, what does that mean? That doesn't quit. mean anything. It's it's letting this man know that his actions aren't cool. I'm talking about as far as people like who you. What do you mean? Vince Staples, his manager quit. No, R. Kelly. Oh, nothing okay. To R. All right, that's I'm what I was, up for Vince Okay, that's what I'm, I was like. I'm, no, nothing happened right. to Vince Staples. Okay. Vince Staples did say that R. Kelly apparently R. Kelly's people are looking for. I don't know who his people are, but no, R. Kelly's. Management, his assistant, people. Because once somebody something like this goes viral, when people hear it, and you're the person standing next to R. Kelly, well, they don't want to be. They don't want to be connected. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, but that should have already happened. Mm. But it took Vince Staples doing this for people to go, okay, let's separate from this guy. So I just wanted to give a quick, a quick, uh, big up to Vince Staples for not being afraid to go where people seemingly just didn't want to go. Even you know, there's a BBC documentary coming out about R. Kelly. One of his women. What does BBC mean? Big. Whoa. <laughs> no, it does not mean that. It is the British something news. It's the it's the British channel. British bibliography. Ch- I don't know, man. It's not that. No. It's the British channel. Uh, anyway, uh, so there's a documentary coming on on the British something B, another B channel. Oh, sorry. And, uh, and, and. They're doing breaking a, a documentary, like a two-part series about one of his defectors, one of his women who turned on him and exposing like, well, yeah, you know, on Tuesdays we we could only wear T-shirts that said, you know, had Charlie Brown characters on them, and he wouldn't let us wear thong underwear. We could only wear boy boxers, and um, we had to only eat oatmeal, but without no fruit in it. Like sh- she's given all the details of mm. the life that he he required these women to live in order to be his living girlfriends. Mm. And he had several of them. And one of them is like, I'm out of here. And she went to BBC and gave her testimony to what her experience was with R. Kelly. Mm. And nobody's talking about this. I heard this like vaguely on Twitter. It's not a story. I don't know if they're going to air it. Why isn't this American? Why isn't 60 Minutes doing this? You know, it's crazy. It's like everybody's kind of like afraid to touch R. Kelly. But R. Kelly's not afraid to touch anybody. Put a drum, but you know, because he's not afraid to touch them. <laughs> you yeah, get it? I get it. You sure? On a very popular uh, channel, BBC. Everybody loves BBC. Uh, well, I don't. Whoa. <laughs> hey, man. Don't bastardize the BBC network like that, okay? You're twisting up with your dark mind. You know what, man? Hey, uh, that was a. This has been another uh, good vibe segment. Round of applause, BBC. No. There will be no round of applause there where you said that. There will not be. Um, we're, what we're going to do is, you know, uh, we're going to take a quick break before we uh, get into some fucked up shit. And what I want to do is um, I want to I got some news for you that you might be excited about. And we might have to take a road trip. Um, Shwayze and Cisco mm-hmm. have gotten back together. They're oh, going, really? They're going on a summer tour this summer. 
they're they're putting the band back together. They're mm. back making new music. Okay. Have you heard it? No. No, it's not, oh, it's not out, out yet. yet. Okay. But they're gonna put it out and then go on a summer tour. Okay. Now, for those of you who don't know, Swayze is one of the best summer albums, if not one of the best hip hop uh, fusion. I'll call it. What do you call it? Like fused with acoustic music, acoustic beach music. Uh-huh. One of the best hip hop albums, in my opinion, ever. Swayze and this guy kind of hit in this perfect spot where Cisco was doing acoustic music and Swayze was rapping over it and he created this album that was legendary. And I don't think enough people give it the credit it deserves. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take us out on a little Corona and Lime by Mr. Swayze featuring Cisco Adler. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you some fucked up shit. So stay tuned. Little girls in the city dress up pretty, go out and get messed up and shitty. Girls by the sea dress like hippies and rock love bees and go skinny dipping. Girls in the hills go day tripping to get the nails done and hair straightened. Little girls in the A1A get hot in LA because they know they got the hottest. All right, folks, we're back. Uh, Fran, I believe you went first last week. Yeah. So it is my turn to go first this week. So please uh, buckle yourself in. Let me get some snacks. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, this week, my affirmative murder is the story of Issei Sagawa. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's do it. Okay. Issei Sagawa was born in Kobe, Japan on April 26, 1949 to a wealthy parents. I said, oh, wealthy parents, but he had two of those. He was born to wealthy parents. Okay. He was born prematurely, mm. uh, reportedly small enough to fit in the palm of his father's hand. Wow. And immediately developed uh, enteritis, a disease that causes inflammation in the small intestine. Mm. Oh, excuse me. Um, he eventually recovered after uh, several injections of potassium and calcium in saline. So, like, in a saline drip that they put in the IV. Mm. They put that in them, and, you know, it... Uh, it, it it you know knock knocked some life back into him. Okay. Uh, yeah. He uh. So Sagawa's first Sagawa first experienced cannibalistic desires while in the first grade after wow. seeing a male's thigh. Uh, in a excuse t- me. He saw some man meat. And a male's a male's thigh. Uh. So he was like, damn, that's you know that quad. <laughs> Get that quad. Like like, gym. Slice that off. Put it on the grill. It's looking. It's like got some protein in that's there. That's crazy. If yeah, this was in first grade. This was a kid like, mm, licked his lips like, mm, damn, this guy's dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, in a 2011 interview with Vice, Sagawa reported, Sagawa, sorry, I'm not going to, my, my, I'm from Baltimore, our words just kind of fall out sometimes. Uh, Sagawa reported that a youth, as a youth, he partook in bestiality with his dog and experienced cannibalistic oh, desires for on. women. Uh, he was always short and skinny with legs that looked like pencils. He blames the media's representation of Western women like Grace Kelly for sparking his cannibalistic fantasies, equating it with what most people would call sexual desires. Where other people dreamed of betting these beautiful women, Sagawa dreamed of eating them. Mm. So this is this is that male down with the patriarchy. This guy is saying, shame on you, television, for making women look so delicious to me. It's television's fault. It's oh, not wow. my fault that I want to eat women. It's the TV's fault for making them look so damn delicious. 
<laughs> so that's just it's you know blame the women as always it's just the go to move it's always somebody else so, yeah it's always never on you it's right. never that you're fucked up right maybe maybe it's not that you are were premature and your brain didn't develop or something in you is broken mm-hmm. and you like to eat people no it's the TV's fault anyway I'm gonna get off my soapbox uh, at 23 in Tokyo Sagawa followed a tall German woman home then broke into her apartment while she was sleeping with with intent to cannibalize her by tearing and walking away with a small part of her flesh. She awoke and Sagawa claims pushed him to the ground. He was captured by the police and charged with attempted rape. He did not confess his true attentions to the authorities. In 1981, after after repressing his desires for 32 years, they finally got the best of him. Issei Sagawa had moved to Paris to study literature at, at Sorbonne, a public research university. Once there, he said his cannibalistic urges took over. A beautiful young woman named Renee Hartvelt, Hartvelt I'm going to assume the e is, e is silent, Renee Hartvelt, who was also studying at Sorbonne, at Sorbonne, sorry, it's French, uh, caught his eye. Sagawa was a small, frail man and wasn't very confident with women. He did make plans with Renee for her to come to his apartment so that they could study German poetry together. I guess that sounds like a romantic uh, <laughs> offer to somebody that's in school to study literature, mm-hmm. but that sounds awful to me. I, I don't want to study poetry in my own language. Right. Um, Sagawa was mesmerized by, be- by the beautiful Renee, who was Dutch and also studying abroad. Uh, though he was nervous, Sagawa knew that it was now or never, which typically means, uh, you know, hey, man, She's here. I got to plan a kiss on her and make her my girlfriend. Not what this guy means by now or never. Because um, he's a sick fuck. Right. Uh, as Renee sat in a chair with her back facing him, Issei Sagawa finally did what he wanted. He had wanted to do for so long. He killed Renee and ate her. Mm. But it gets worse. Uh, after shooting Renee, Sagawa raped her corpse. Then he decided he wanted to eat her. He tried biting into her buttocks, what? but the flesh was tougher than he expected and made his jaw sore. Which, again, this comes up on the show a lot, but anybody who is able to mentally get through the uh, the roadblock of this being human flesh, if you can block that out and eat a person, you are a different kind of right. dis- disgusting human. If you can break through human flesh, I'm sh- I get the concept of that human flesh is probably as tough as you know sirloin or any kind of steak. But if you can see like a hand and a finger <laughs> on something and just bite into it and rip the flesh, bit into a butt. Yeah, that's 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 sick. Oh no, he didn't bite into the butt because he's a frail pussy and he didn't have the. Well, he it tried. Hurt, it hurt his jaw. He probably tried to bite on the side of his mouth. He did. Yeah, like it on was some tough teeth. meat. Yeah, yeah. This guy. That's disgusting. And he's like, well, that's, that's the most meat, so you know. Yeah, he's going for. Not even thick. <laughs> I apologize for that. We'll move on. We're going to move on from that. Thought about it, dude. Cut that. <laughs> cut that. Uh, uh, 25, 28. We're going to cut that. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. He tried biting into her box. The flesh was... Yeah. Uh, since it was too difficult to bite directly into Renee's flesh, Sagawa went out and purchased a butcher's knife. Next, he dismembered Renee's corpse. Wow. Over the course of the next few days, Sagawa ate Renee's flesh. He stored some of it in his refrigerator. He later described how delicious human flesh was to to an interviewer. This what guy, he what he did, a meal prep? Yeah, basically. <laughs> he, I mean, he he was he like let this. He was he just lived in this 
apartment with a body and was cutting it up mm. for a couple of days, taking his pick of whatever body parts he wanted to enjoy. He 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 was he's a sick fuck. That's insane. How can you just kill somebody? Let I mean like kill, he killed, but he killed her with the intention of eating her. Right, but you you killed her. Yeah. Then you rape her. Yeah. Then you so try to bring her butt cheeks. He's a cannibal. He's yeah. a necrophiliac. You try to you leave a dead a body in your house. Necrophile. You leave the dead body in your house. Yeah. Like nothing is like it's a regular day. You come back and then now you gotta like. I'm guessing what he put plastic everywhere because I know it's blood yeah, everywhere. Nah, who knows if he put? You'll you'll find out this guy's not very organized, but he dismembered okay. the body so he could put it in the freezer, and it was easier to like man, you know manipulate and move around. Um, when the corp when the corpse started to severely decompose, Sagawa was unsure how to dispose of it. His solution was to shove the remains in a, into a large suitcase. He brought the suitcase down to a lake during the middle of the day. People watched as a meek. Five foot Japanese man carried wow. two suitcases into the into the Bois into the Bois de Boulogne Park just outside Paris. The city lights the city of lights turned into a dark. Oh yeah, I saw this and I had to yeah. Let me let me, I gotta get my mind right. I gotta read that properly. <clears throat> the city of lights turned into a dark cloud of death when the dismembered body of twenty five year old exchange student Rene Hartevelt was uncovered inside the mysterious luggage. Mm. The darkness. The darkness quickly lifted because police knew exactly who had killed her. They soon arrested her shy classmate, Issei Sagawa, who professed during his arrest that I killed her to eat her flesh. So he confessed. Soon Immediately. As he was yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, <clears throat> this so, wait, where, he put it in the water? Yeah, but everybody saw him. Because so it was the middle just, of the day and he was a little guy carrying a big suitcase in the woods. It's not very smart. No, not at all. So when you asked about the plastic thing, I doubt he put plastic down. I'm sure <laughs> that place was a fucking bloodbath. Cause um, he's not. What he didn't. What he didn't have a deep a deep freezer. He probably shoved it in a little ass uh, freezer. Maybe. Oh, I don't think he put her in the freezer at all. Actually, uh, I think maybe he put her mean? in the fridge. But wow. like only the parts that he cut off. But the body was just in the corner somewhere. That's disgusting. Rotting away, and then eventually he was like, "Oh, I can't eat this anymore. It's gone bad." Like you would say about milk or something like that. That's, this that's, guy, that's, people, they really dehumanize these people once they come. It's like, ah, oh, it's spoiled. I gotta throw it away. So that's a that's, human being. Yeah. Like that's insane, yo. Yeah, is, um, so he was like, oh, "I'm gonna chop it up, put it in a suitcase, go throw it in the lake." That's what you do, right? Um, <clears throat> this is where things turn a little dark and sideways. Um, what should have been an open and shut case of first degree murder turned into anything but. Despite eyewitness accounts, evidence found at Sagawa's apartment and his confession to the crime, police were unable to convict the cannibal. What? Yeah. A judge found that the literature the literature student was legally insane and unable to stand trial for Hartvelt's murder. Wow. He was deposed. He was deported back to Japan, where he was institutionalized at Matsuzawa Psychiatric Hospital in Tokyo. Japanese authorities tried their best to convict the killer for their crimes, but a loophole in the law led to Sagawa's subsequent release. And the loophole was that because the case was 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 uh, solved and and um. They like lock Run their out. cases away. No, they like oh. once they file them, you they seal them. That's what they call it. The case was sealed in Paris. Mm-hmm. So once he got uh, deported back to Japan, Paris can't unseal his his uh, case mm-hmm. and send it to Japan. So they had no evidence. Mm-hmm. So basically, they deported him back to Japan, and then Japan was like, "Well, we'll try you here." And when they tried him, they didn't have any evidence. Even though there's a bunch of evidence, 
the case was already completed in Paris and, and sealed. So they weren't able to use the eyewitness accounts, the blood, any of the stuff that happened in that case. They weren't able to use any of it. All that they could use was just that, oh, he he ate somebody, but they didn't have any evidence. And they couldn't use any evidence. That's what the loophole was. Oh, okay. So in Japan, when they tried to try him in Japan, they didn't have any they didn't have a case. That's crazy. So um yeah, uh, he checked himself out of the institution in 1986 and has been free on the streets of Japan ever since. Uh, after his release on August 12, 1986, Sagawa returned to a world where he was actually embraced by the public. With a newfound notoriety as a small-time Japanese celebrity, Issei would go, around, would go on to author several books, participate in game shows in Japan, and more. He would become a guest speaker at many places and even used his newfound fame to appear in an exploitation film playing a character not unlike himself in a movie titled Unfaithful Wife, Shameful Torture. In this film, Sagawa portrayed a bloodthirsty and sadistic sexual predator, much like himself, or Marcus de Sade, who, who I, didn't, I didn't look up. I'm assuming that's another type of sick person. Wait, so he was famous for what? Eating somebody? For eating somebody. Wow. Japan is Japan is weird, man. I think. They, I mean, I guess. So. I, I mean, think they OJ'd him. They have like penis uh, festivals and shit. I don't, don't know what that is, but they have. You can buy <laughs> panties and you can buy used <laughs> panties in a vending machine out there. Used? Used? They, That's disgusting. Yeah, they're very they're futuristic out there. Um, this dude is famous. For, yeah, but as a bizarre testament to Japan, to Japanese culture, and our our modern zeitgeist, Sagawa would even become a freelance food critic. The irony in that is it feels like it's not irony. I think they were like, wouldn't it be funny if we gave him a job as a food critic because he eats people? And they do like a Japanese laugh. Um, he's doing all kinds of shit. Yeah, he, well, he was. Um, he's not dead or anything, but this was his, notori- his notoriety did start to fade. Hmm. This was like the height of it. It's almost like being a child star. Like he was in the 80s and 90s. Did he eat it was somebody like, else? Oh, no. Oh, so, but... So what... It, how do you, how do you do this and then just like, okay, well, all that's in the past. Well, I'm I'm a travel and right that I don't I don't I don't I'm gonna get to that. Oh, um, Issei Sagawa still walks the streets of Tokyo where he lives, free to do as he pleases. A terrifying thought when uh, one hears that he threat that the threat of life in prison hasn't done much to quell his urges. He said in an interview. The desire to eat people becomes so intense around June when women start to when women start wearing less and showing more skin, he said. Just today I saw a girl with a really nice derriere on my way to the train station. When I see things like that, I think about wanting to eat someone again before I die. This is a quote from him. So basically, this is his if I did it. He can say whatever he wants to say because he was tried and he beat it and they can't try him again. So it's very similar to the OJ Simpson thing, except he's not famous. Despite killing somebody, even though OJ at this point is kind of famous for the whole, that is what he's more famous for now. Nobody really cares about football anymore. I think it's more about, like it's more about he's infamous. Yeah, he's it's not more about famous. He it's killed like, two people and got away with it. Oh, and he played football. Yeah, <laughs> this guy instead of being like he was a, a artist and then he killed somebody, but we still like his art. It's like oh no, he got famous because he's a cannibal. Yeah, and that's where all of the books and the TV appearances. And, it all stemmed from him being cannibal. It wasn't despite or anything like that. People just, I think they were drawn to the eccentric, weird guy who got away with eating somebody, which is, that's, that's, that is a testament to how strange Japan is. But, um, 
Yeah, he openly talks about like you know I, I fight the urge to not eat somebody every day. Well, he see butts and like he gets. Hungry. I see butts. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, but wait, what? I mean, you see butts and you like, you know, she got a nice butt, but he see a butt and be like, I want to eat, I want to eat that. butt. Yeah, he's not, he's not like, he's not like she has a nice butt. He's like, man, that butt looks like it would be tasty. To eat. <laughs> right. Fuck everything. All the women <laughs> shit is. Don't worry about none of that. Right. That butt looks full of meat, and I would like to. Cut it off of it, off that body, and <laughs> eat it. Rump roast. That's crazy. You get uh, some rump roast, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in 2005, Sagawa's parents died. He was prevented from a, from attending their funeral, but re- repaid their creditors and moved into public housing. He received welfare benefits for a time. In an interview with Vice Magazine in 2011, he said that being forced to make a living while being known as a murderer and a cannibal was a terrible punishment. What? Yeah, How? he said like you know this is this is worse than death. Is basically what he what was being saying. famous and going on TV shows and whatnot. Being try, being not being because his parents disowned him, so oh. not being. Oh, that's why he wasn't allowed to go. Yeah. Oh, so okay. not being rich and having to make a living while oh, being like known as a murderer and a cannibal is a terrible punishment. Well, I mean, you ate a person, right? You yeah, should you, be in you jail put that on yourself. Yeah, you sh- you should be in jail. If you'd rather be in jail, go commit a crime. <laughs> Not eating somebody and just go live in jail if it's so hard to be free. That woman's dead. So, who gives a shit with punishment? You get to go and do whatever you want to do. That's you know, crazy. within reason, but like you're alive and free, not in jail. So, fuck him. Um, there have been um, cases made that this is one of the worst cases of affluenza ever recorded. Affluenza is this theory that uh, people who come from uh, extreme amounts of money and, uh, um, you know, influence and, and, and just being. Uh, wealthy makes them kind of uh disassociated with life and bored and uh fucks with their mental psyche because they're rich yeah but they're saying they're they're saying like he because he's so rich and because he's he has no kind of concept of responsibility or reality or struggle he kind of thought he could get away with whatever he wanted to and he did even eating a person and he did so it didn't really help um, there's another case of this. Uh, I want to get the kid's name right because I want people, if they don't know the story, uh, they need to go look it up because it's pretty insane. It's a case that happened here in America. The kid's name is uh, Ethan Couch. Ethan Couch was a kid who, in like I think it was in 2013, he was drunk, high, and on pills and ran his car into a car that was on the side of the road mm-hmm. and killed four people. That was sitting on the side of the road? That was sitting on the side of the road. So he drunkenly high and pilled out, rammed his car into a, a parked car that mm-hmm. was like broken down on the side of the road and killed four people. And his attorney used that uh, argument in court, and he didn't go to jail. What was the argument? He he has affluenza, Judge. This kid, he's so rich. Get the he hell just, out of here. He's really? so rich that he just had no idea what responsibility was or what consequences were so he, he couldn't help it and that kid didn't go to jail that's insane and if anybody and four people died and four people died he killed four people so i don't i don't like to go into this too much but for anybody who's wondering you know what you know these black Lives matters groups and all these kind of just people are saying like white privilege if you go watch that story that's what people are talking about like go watch that story and just kind of see that that's insane that two people can walk into Starbucks and get the police called on them immediately for just sitting down and not ordering anything, 
and get arrested. Now, I don't know. I think they got released immediately after they got their IDs checked mm-hmm. and everything like that. But they got handcuffs put on them for being in a Starbucks. And the video, the video went viral. Oh, the video went viral. They're yeah. probably going to get a check from Starbucks. Cut, Starbucks will cut it. They probably already Keep cut them a, a little back alley check, you know. And they are, they're definitely, like, uh, milking it. Not milking it. Like, what happened to them was really offensive and disrespectful. But going on Good Morning America. And I would. All, I, oh, uh, Oh, 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 don't get me wrong. I would a thousand percent do the same thing. I once got in an accident, and I when I say I went down for a mild accident, I went down. You called me. Yeah, I did. I let you know, like, yo, I'm about to get this money. So don't, don't, don't trust me. I'm no stranger to like trying to get the bag. Mm. But what I'm saying is, they're definitely like trying to get all they can out of it, mm. and I don't think it's for the. The two guys, now there's people who are rallying behind those guys who are like, justice. But these two guys, I think, are more focused on themselves. I don't think they're trying to make Starbucks change. Because mm. I don't think Starbucks is as responsible for what happened as the person that called the police was. Right. You somebody know, was just being an asshole. Yeah, somebody was like, oh, these black guys, they're tall. They have weird haircuts. I don't feel comfortable. One of them asked me a question about the bathroom. Is he going to go do drugs in there? Mm. They, you know, And th- their fear of other caused mm-hmm. them to call the police. I don't think that's on Starbucks. But mm-hmm. you're the business. Yep. You're the face. It yep. happened in your store. So you got to take the hit. But I'm sure they, you know, hit them a little six-figure check mm-hmm. and they're going to go away and they're going to have a day where they close the stores down and have, you know, racial bias training and then everything will go, go back to running That person smooth. get fired? Definitely got fired. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple people from that store got fired. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they closed the whole fucking location down. Just to, it's, well, it's another one a block from around the corner. Starbucks is everywhere. Right. But my point is, you listen to this case. It's crazy. The case gets even crazy. I'm not going to go into detail because it's not our affirmative murder this week. But the kid ends up uh, breaking his probation by he got caught drunk, be, uh, drinking at a party. Mm. And his mother extradited him from the country and went to went to Mexico to avoid him being arrested. So is they he, went. Is he on a, is he on a they run? They came back. No, they're back. Oh. But they're back. And I don't think he's I think he's still not in jail. Like How he went that? through he went mm. through that. And it's. His mother got uh, arrested for something, and she got out of jail. Wow. Even though she took her son and fled the country, because mm-hmm. that's a flight risk, you know? You talk about people not getting bail because they're a flight risk, but they again, this kid was like, uh, you know, he's an affluent teen. You know, this kid's not a flight risk. He did something stupid, judge, no big deal. And he didn't go to jail. So I'm just saying there are cases where the justice system terribly fails people, and there's cases in the justice system is skewed to people who have money to get high-powered lawyers to fight their fights for them. Mm. And I think that's not fair. Anyway, that is the story of Issei Sagawa. Uh, he is a cannibal and a piece of shit, and, uh, but he's free. And he's walking around the streets that's of Japan right now. Um, he's probably ugly. Oh, yeah, he's super freakish. He kind of looks like a, a melted Ken doll. <laughs> he looks kind of like a doll, or like a porcelain doll. But something's not right. You know, he looks like uh, like a doll from uh, what's that movie, uh, The Conjuring, where they they had like dolls that had evil spirits in them. Uh-huh. He looks like a doll that is something in the doll. Ew. Something's not right in the doll. The doll has dark essence in it. Um, so yeah, he is he is quite ugly. Um, also, I thought about um, possibly someday in the future, if, if I don't know how people would feel about it if uh, we started roasting these ugly motherfuckers and putting videos up on on Twitter or something like that. Just mm-hmm. like, boy, you know, just like going at them, mm-hmm. you know, boy, you're big, 
five head movie theater ass one. You know, like just fucking roasting people. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think we're always trying to, you know, express ourselves creatively, creatively here at Affirmative Murder. So um, you know, some of the stuff's gonna be a hit, some of the stuff might not be a hit, but um, we're not afraid to try shit. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you some fucked up shit. He's going to close us out as the star that he is. And uh, we'll be right back. All right, folks, we're back. It, uh, if you guys <clears throat> if you guys haven't already uh, left us a review on, on iTunes uh, or um, wherever I, uh, reviews are available, we would very much appreciate that. You guys would be we will forever be indebted to you guys. We got some new reviews on iTunes, and we appreciate the the kind work. It's more, you know, uh, very much, you know, people were nice enough to go, you know, this week to appease me, which, again, I don't care. I'm a big boy. I don't need anybody to put hashtag Team Fralvin. If you guys love Fran, what? if you guys hashtag what? Team Fralvin to try to <laughs> include me in the love. Yeah, I don't got to do that. You don't got to do that, man. I'm an adult. If you guys love Fran, that's, that's fine. You know, that's, 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 that's all good. You can love Fran. Don't, I don't need uh, pity love. And I don't accept it either. I'm going to name my son that. Fralvin? Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird name. That sounds like uh, some Lord of the Rings shit. Um, but yeah, no, we got some really cool reviews this week as well. Um, so I appreciate whoever was listening to this and, and was like, you know what? I got time. Let me go do that. I so, want to hit 100. I want us to get 100. I would like to hit 100 too. I think that's a very reasonable goal. We're at like 69 or 70 right yeah. now. Um, so... If there's 30 of you listening right now and just want to go leave that you really like the uh, Good Morning America programming or you really enjoy the new series Black Lightning, if you got whatever you guys want to put, that's cool. Five star it and leave it to take two seconds. Or if you really got a, something you want to say to us, that's cool, too. Also, if you got some shit that, you know, some constructive criticism, that's fine, too. I would appreciate it if you didn't one star us and roast us, because obviously, if you're listening to this right now, you re- you recognize that we're two five star recruits. You know, two five-star draft picks that are just hitting our stride. I think if you listen to this episode or last episode and you go back and listen to episode one, we've made leaps and bounds. We're phenomenal. We're fucking, I think we're generational podcasters. I think we're, we got bright futures ahead of us. And I think that's recognizable. And I think that's why you guys gravitate towards us so much. But if you don't gravitate towards this and you think it's dookie, that's cool. And if you want to leave a review... That's cool, too, but you don't got to be a dick about it and roast us, you know, and, and fuck up our rating because you want to leave a half a star and say, these guys suck dick, and I hate them, and I hope they both die. You know, you can keep that to yourself. Or hit, hit us up on Twitter, and we can battle it out there. But, again, just to say it real quick, if you guys haven't left, the, left us a review, that'd be really cool if you did that. It's not for our personal egos. It's just because, again, this fucking algorithm, I'm not going to keep saying it. Actually, I am going to keep saying it. This algorithm is weird, and you need reviews in order to move up the charts. I've seen shows that are awful. I'm not going to say any names. Hey, just, hey, man. I mean, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, mean, I think they get it. Well, excuse the <laughs> fuck out of me. I think they get it. Well, excuse the fuck out of me for trying to promote <laughs> our show. You know... Hey, Fran, why don't you tell me you're affirmative murder, man? Everybody, it's so important. Man, you yeah, man. People want to hear Fran start, Fran start talk. So, you know. Wow. It's, okay. it's, it's my turn. More important I'm than, on the stage more, now. More important than trying to promote the show. I'm on the stage now. Everybody want to hear me anyway. Wow. Put okay. the spotlight on me. Right. Put the cameras on me. Put the, all right. Put turn the, my mic up. No, turn down a little bit because it's too loud. Thank you. Okay, cool. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Fran Starr. Are you know. ready? Ladies and gentlemen, Fran Starr. Fran, run applause, please. Okay, cut it out, cut it out. Okay, sorry, it's done. My affirmative murder this week is the Xerox murders. Have you heard of that? I've heard of Xerox the machine. Yeah. You ever heard of the murders? No. Okay, cool. 
Um, I forgot where to start. Okay, Born in Honolulu, 1959. Byron Koji Usagi. Oh, it's very uh, Japanese episode. Yeah, but I don't think he's from Japanese. Maybe I'm saying the name wrong. Japanese? You know, whatever. No, he's not. He's born in Honolulu. All right. Yeah. They do have a thick Asian population yeah, yeah, in do. Hawaii. Yeah. So, um, bo- uh, grew up in Nuanu okay. neighborhood while attending Roosevelt House, Roosevelt High School. Mm-hmm. Usagi was a member of the school's Army JROTC chapter. When you in JROTC? No, I wasn't. Oh, I thought you were ROTC. <laughs> chapter and, and and the school's rifle team. Ooh. Classmates remember him as a quiet student who never got into any trouble. According to his brother Dennis, Yusake crashed their father's. Wait a minute, his name is Yusake and his brother's name is Dennis. That's his Yusake is his last name. Oh, what's his first name? Brian. Oh, okay. Byron. Sorry, Byron. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, never mind. <laughs> according to his brother, De- <laughs> according to his brother Dennis, Yusake crashed their father's car and hit his head on the windshield shortly after graduating high school in 1977. But he was never the same. Oh. Usagi had been employed by Xerox as a, techni- as a technician since 1984. Okay. Among his hobbies was raising and breeding goldfish and koi, which he would sell to the local pet stores. He had an extensive collection of, the, of firearms. At the time of the murders, he had as many as 25 guns registered under his name. Dating to wow. 1982, police also took 11, gu- 11 handguns, 5 rifles, and 2 shotguns from Usagi's father. Like court. as as because they were concerned, maybe. But this is his father. It's not him. Okay. Yeah. According to the testimony from Usagi's father, Hiro Hiroyuki Usagi was normal until he started working for for Xerox in 1984. In 1998, Byron started to complain that he had a poking sensation in his head. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. After being transferred to another work group. Yusagi began making unfounded acquis- acquisitions of harassment. Accu- accusations. Oh, I'm sorry. Accusations of harassment and product tampering. Product tampering against fellow repairmen. They had difficult. They had difficulty dealing with him. Former coworkers who knew him reported that other members of his team allegedly ostracized ostracized him, uh-huh. making him feel isolated and withdrawn. Yeah, because he's probably shifty and weird. Yeah, I mean, he's got a right. mental problem. His brain's fucked uh, up. Yusagi reportedly made threats against other co-workers' lives. In 1993, he was ordered to undergo psychiatric evaluation and anger management courses after he kicked in and damaged an elevator door. Oh. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> uh, Yusagi was arrested for third-degree criminal property damage. I never even heard that before. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I didn't know there was degrees and the, the levels that you could damage something. Right. Uh, co-workers told Dr. Michael Wellner, chairman of the for- forensic panel and the forensic psychiatric psychiatrics who interviewed Usagi prior to trial, that as early as 1995, Usagi was openly talking of carrying out a mass shooting at the workplace where he where he had where he was fired. Got a red flag, these people, Re- man. Like it's it's not just, hard. I don't shot up, somebody just shot up a Waffle House yesterday. Really? Yeah, went still on the run. I think he did it butt naked. Wow. They shot up the Here? waffle. No, oh. I can't remember what state it was in, but they shot he shot up the waffle house and this guy had already had been talked to by the FBI and they took guns away from this guy and they gave the gun that's why when you when you said this I thought it was crazy. I was, mm-hmm. I was gonna, they took the guns away from the guy, gave him to his dad, but his dad was like 
here's your here, man. Give it back to him. It's America, man. That's it's Second Amendment right. They can't take your guns away. Here's your guns back. They can't take your guns. And he took one of those guns and he went into a Waffle House and he shot it up. Like he killed But it's like people. it's like look. You should be put on a list immediately. Right. It's like look. This guy said he's gonna and shoot if, up a he gonna shoot up a uh yeah. a Waffle House. And if that's already a thing, they have the list, that should be taken more seriously. That I don't should wanna, not just I just be don't, like I don't uh, understand. Like, yeah. Maybe uh, not. Throw it to the side, like yeah, you know, it's just like uh, and whatever. then a week and then a week later, five people die. Like that's crazy. That's you had it. Somebody told you it's you right there. Tip. You got a tip, man. Um, yes, yes. Okay, so he was gonna carry out a mass shooting at the workplace. He complained to his that his coworkers were engaged in patterning patterns of harassment, backstabbing behavior, and spreading spreading of rumors. Oh, and the period leading up to the shootings, Xerox management had been had become increasingly committed to phasing out the type of photocopier that Usagi serviced. He resisted learning the replacement machine. Oh, so they tried to they tried to phase this guy out of a job? Well, yeah. They were like, yeah, we don't make that. And it's like when they... It's like, it's like, but it's like, we got a, it's like we got a new machine. And you don't you, work on that one. We oh. need you to learn it. Oh, okay. And so it made the job he, harder. Yeah. I thought they were saying like, we don't need you anymore because you don't. No, that, no, no, no. Okay, I got you. I got yeah, you. so it says he resisted learning the replacement machine, fearing that he could not keep up with the, the technical de- the, the technical demands. After working around his refusal to train on the new machine, Usagi's manager insisted on November 1st, 1999, that he would begin training the next day. And this interview with Dr. Michael, who explained Usagi when when the defendant brought, brought an insanity defense, Usagi said he had believed that if he refused to take training, management would fire him. He told... Yeah, that's how jobs work. Yeah, he told Michael, quote, I decided to give them a reason to fire me, quote. Wow. All right. Yeah. That's ominous. <laughs> so, at 8, 8 o'clock a.m. At 8 o'clock a.m. in the morning, barring Usagi's service, a service technician working at Xerox, opened fire inside the building with a semi-automatic pistol, killing his supervisor and six co-workers. Wow. And fired in the direction of another coworker who fled the building. Hello. Yeah. Um. The eight. The eighth person escaped. Person escaped injury. Eighth person. I guess that was the person that ran away. Um. After shooting, Usagi f- fled in the company van. <laughs> what? And <laughs> yeah. And by mid morning, riding he around was, in the van that says Xerox on the side. Of right. It? And they already is like it's a whole thing going on. Yeah. That's it's pretty. And obvious. you live on an island. Right. <laughs> Where are you gonna go? Um, yeah, so he fled in the company van, and, be, and by mid-morning, he was found sitting in the van near the Hawaii Nature Center in Makaki, above downtown Honolulu. He had he held a standoff with the police that lasted for five hours, during which he what brand brandished a pistol. What that mean? Yeah, like waved it around, just like I got talking a shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which he brand branched a pistol, read magazines, and smoked cigarettes. Oh, so he he's just this is a psychotic break. Yeah, he's just like, yeah. Oh, well, I'll just do this as long as they let me. <laughs> Adding to the tension to the of the standoff, the Hawaii Nature Center was hosting thirty five local sh- what was hosting thirty five local school local school local school sh- children uh, who were trapped inside without food or water. Oh, so I guess they was on a field trip. I mean, it's five hours. <laughs> what are little kids though? It was five hours. <laughs> All right, I, mean, I guess. I mean, without food or water, that's a little drastic. <laughs> Were they trapped? Yeah, but like nobody was gonna starve to death in five hours. But yeah, I'm so not take yeah, away from their uh, who were trapped inside without food or water? Usagi, 
Yusagi surrendered to the police approximately at 3 o'clock p.m. So the victims was Jason Balatico, right. Ford. I don't know. These names is crazy. They got regular first names, mm-hmm. but like some crazy. crazy yeah. Ronald. Kalaiki. Kateoka. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Ronald. It's two Ronalds. Ronald Ko- Kawame. Yeah. Melvin Lee. Peter Mark. And John Sakamoto. Okay. I like that name. So 45-year-old. Brian Usagi uh, month-long trial began on May 15th of 2000. He was charged with one count of murder in the first degree, seven counts of murder in the second degree, and one count of attempted murder in the second degree. Prior- so I would I would assume that they meant they they're saying he came there to intentionally kill his boss, and then everybody else that he killed that's what I, was that's what I would think was yeah. was collateral they damage. Was just there, yeah. All right. Well. Uh, prior to the close of the trial, counts two and eight. Were, mar- were merged into count one. Two and eight is is the second degree merge. And what's what count eight? Oh, he two and eight. Two and eight. Two and eight were second degree. Second degree. Oh, and the other ones were first degree. Yeah, and the count oh, one was first degree. Okay, okay, so they just merged them. Yeah. Um the product the prosecutor the prosecuting attorney of Honolulu and deputy prosecuting attorney, um. And the state of Hawaii, criminal defense attorneys, Gerald Forenza, these are just the people that worked on the case. Mm-hmm. Yus- Usagi pleaded n- not guilty by reason of insanity. Of course he did. And claimed that he felt like an outcast at work and that he feared his colleagues were conspiring to have him fired. Um, Newsflash, sir. That's not a reason to kill anybody. Check this out. I got cakes. And are the other other dudes at the club jealous of me because I got cakes? <laughs> yeah. And do they talk about me behind my back because I get hella tips? Yeah, I'm not going to come in there and straight shoot people up because they're talking about me. Haters going to hate. You can't let that dictate you murdering a bunch of people. Right. Crazy. So Dr. Park and Dr. Matthews testified for the defense that he was insane, citing the, citing the delusions about how others were tampering with his fish. You know, he sold, he sold oh, fish. koi fish and his yeah. goldfish. Yeah. Oh, Let, so he made up a whole scenario in his mind that yeah. people were fucking with him. Yes. Un, unstoppable. Right. Um, led prosecution expert Dr. Witness Dr. Harold testified that the defendant fulfilled the criteria criteria for a diagnosis of schizophrenia, mm. but he did not meet the criteria of either insanity or extreme emotion or mental dis disturbance, which is M E M E D. I never heard that before. I mean, schizophrenia is pretty in- intense. Does that not make you? That's not enough to be not guilty by reason <laughs> of insanity. I don't know. Schizophrenia is terrifying. Um, so Dr. Michael testified for the prosecution that although Mr. Yusagi was in his opinion, was in his opinion, a schizophrenic and he carried out the shooting because he was angry that he would be fired for insubordination and that his own and that his own account of concealment before the crime demonstrated that he knew what he was doing wrong. He, He knew what he was doing. I'm not trying to hear. But that's the thing, though. I don't know. Now that you throw schizophrenia into the equation, he could have really thought these people yeah, were plotting yeah, on him true. and that's talking true. about him. That's and, true. You know, people were putting poison in his goldfish tanks, and they were everybody's plotting against him. You know that when you throw that into it, because I've watched True Life, I have schizophrenia, mm-hmm. and those people on that show, that there was a guy on that. If you've ever anybody's out there who's ever seen MTV's True Life, I have schizophrenia. There was a guy who was like biracial, had long curly hair. He said he would go outside and birds would talk to him. And, Whoa. 
it was it's it's like you live in an alternate reality. It's insane. So but that do you, is. A, do you think all that was caused by the accident that he had? Possibly. That's I don't cr- know how schizophrenia works. I don't know if you can catch schizophrenia from mm. a mental uh, damage to your brain. Mm. But if you can, if if there's a if there's if a case can, of that happening, crazy, if like, there's a case of that happening, then I can't say he. And the doctor said, "Yeah, yes, schizophrenia. So maybe he did catch it when he hit his head. That's you insane. know, but." That does add a... Now, I'm not saying he should be not guilty and be free. Right. But he should be put into a hospital for the criminally insane. Right. Um. So, on June 13, 2000, the jury rejected the insanity defense. All right. Finding Yusaki guilty on account one for the seven murders and count nine for the attempted murder. On August 8, 2000, Judge Mary Marie sentenced Yusaki to life without the possibility of parole for count one and life with the possibility of parole on count nine. With this sentence... With this sentence to run consecutively, the court also ordered Yusagi to pay five hundred in restitution and seven and seventy thousand to the crime victim compensation fund. Hawaii, Hawaii does not have the death penalty. The parole board later ordered Yusagi to serve minimum term of two hundred and thirty five years in prison, mm. the longest ever the longest ever ordered for a Hawaii inmate. Yusagi appealed his convictions in two thousand in two thousand two, the state of Hawaii um Supreme Court upheld Usagi's conviction. In 2004, Usagi was considered fighting his conviction based on the Rule 40. I read it, got kind of confusing. But if you went over for, Rule 40 years, go look it up yourself. Um, representation by his law and his Fact first Fact-free zone, man. Yeah. I don't have time for that. In 2005, Xerox and the hospital that examined Usagi's settled settle and civil lawsuit brought by the families of the shooting victims, they mm. believed that both parties had failed to take prevention action based on what they based on what he said, was clear signs of Usagi's mental instability. Are so, they saying about the guns or about, about just that his mental his mental health was severely in question? And about that he had the ideas of shooting up the place in the beginning. Yeah. Well, well, then, yeah. yeah. well then they have a case. Um, so as of October 10th, 2017, Usagi was incarcerated at Cigarro Correctional Center in Eloy, Arizona. Oh. Yeah. Um, so... After all that, Xerox vacated the premises at that building um, mm-hmm. after the shooting. The facility was vacant until 2004, and, and it was taken over by um, producers of a TV show, Lost, and, oh. they built, and they built a soundstage there to film indoor scenes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Lost was big. Yeah. You remember Lost? I, I know what it is, but I didn't watch I it. I didn't watch it either, but I, it was, I, it, at the time, it was the biggest yeah, show on television. Yeah, the reason oh, why I didn't okay. watch it because people said at the end, the end sucked. So yeah, I yeah, there's I, like a smoke monster and a polar bear whoa, and all kind of stuff. Stupid. It gets kind of crazy. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's one of those shows where it turns out at the end, everybody was dead the whole time. So oh, like, yeah, so. And wow. you're watching the whole show for them to get off the island. Right. And like get that satisfaction. Like right. they're safe, but then I think at the end, it's like, oh no, they were all just dead. <laughs> So I'm like, why did I watch seven yeah, seasons? That's why I didn't watch it because I heard why it was good. Why would you waste was my like, time like this? Sucked. I was like, I'm not gonna waste my time. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> so the state legislator yeah. passed a law that requires doctors to reveal information about the mental state of a person's applying applying to buy guns. That's good, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's I would think some so. kind of something after it, it's after, but you know they try yeah. to do something. Uh, they try to fix to fix but the problem. That is the Xerox murders. Wow. Yep. That was um. It's not even like when you look it up. It if you look it up by his name, nothing like comes up. It comes up like Xerox murders. It's just like 
that's what it's, the story is about. It's, it's not about buying Usagi. It's yeah. about Xerox. It's about Xerox company. <laughs> yeah, well, nobody Xerox this stuff anymore. That is um, that's pretty crazy, man. I mean, if if it went the way that it it's it seems in my mind that maybe this guy was just a normal guy and then he had a brain accident. That's why day. I asked you, do you think the accident? Because it's like, what if if he didn't get in the accident? Like, would this even have? What are we even talking know. about this right now? I don't know, but it's but that's that crazy. crazy. That's possible, right? You know? Like that's that's insane that this guy had one incident happen and it completely changed the that's course wild. of his whole life, right? So that's pretty nuts. Um, but yeah, that's wow. Um, I don't really know where else to go from here, Mister. Oh, you know, Star, if you got I had um you when you was talking about the fact about R. Kelly how they how they uh what he's been doing just like came to light kind of a little bit since what's name went off on him. Yeah. And I, his name is Vince Staples. Yeah. Him. And I saw, I heard about what's that girl you was telling us about. It was a couple episodes ago when you was like the girl, she got charged for killing the dude that was raping her. Oh, I forgot her name. That case, that story really came and went. Yeah. Wow, I'm, I feel bad that I don't, rem- I don't remember her yeah. name. And but yeah, was, she was a, like a 15 year old prostitute. And it was like yeah, they were saying worker. that. They were saying that she's in jail. She was in jail for nine years before the story came out. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, like it just, what? Your time, like your time comes around, the right person hears about your story, and in the same in the same vein, the nobody could have ever heard about that story, and it would have never come. That's out. crazy. Hopefully, something's being done about that. Now, the, now, don't get me wrong. Again, I can't remember her name right now, but the case is a little deeper than what 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 made me turn off from the case is that people went from. How I heard about the story was people were saying she killed her pimp mm-hmm. and the guy that was holding her captive. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened. I'm not taking away from her victimhood. Mm-hmm. She was a 15, 16-year-old sex worker on the streets. There was this man who was like in his 40s who picked up a child, whether or not he knew how old she was. If she lied, I don't know. But he picked her up. He had sex with her. And then in her story... She was in his house. They went to sleep. She woke up and she thought he was doing something and she got scared and she shot him. So she shot her John. She didn't shoot the man. And when I heard about the story, it was framed in the story. I read that she was kidnapped and sex trafficked and she killed the man who sex trafficked her. Oh, that's not how it went. That's not how it went. She might've been, her pimp would beat her. Mm-hmm. I know that's true. From well, it's true based on her side of the story mm-hmm. that her pimp would beat her. But when she got picked up by that guy, she was out sex working on her own. Oh, she and so and, this had nothing to do with the pimp. No, she oh. she shot a guy who was. I mean, look, he is a, he a pervert and a child molester. Yes, she's underage. He did all this stuff, but he was just a guy that picked up a, a girl that was selling. Pussy. And she killed him. And she killed him. Oh. So now I'm not, well, I don't know how exactly it's little. It's <laughs> so you go, it goes from being like, she killed the guys that she killed one of the guys that kidnapped her and was da 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 and beating her to she killed a guy who was a, a customer, you know? Right. So it made me, it made me go. And then everybody, by this time, everybody already rallied around her. I think LeBron James had tweeted out a thing about us. I was like, Oh, this got out of hand. And people, now the story's bigger uh. than nobody wants to hear that part of it they're just like oh no this girl killed a, a sex trafficking p- kingpin and that's how i thought i can't believe she's in jail for this but it's 
It's oh, a wow. little more complicated than that. Now, what? the complicatedness of it doesn't mean it's not fucked up. Yeah, true, but I mean... Yeah. But it's not... She didn't kill some guy and then freed a bunch of girls from a basement right, that they were right. all captured in the basement. It'll be a different story then. Yeah. It'll she be like, okay, was she a, doesn't deserve to be in I, I mean, Eileen Warrenos, that, that was her story, that she... These guys were attacking her, and but then she shot them in self-defense. So if you remember the Eileen Warnos documentary, yeah, but I think that was a little different. Oh, I think it was different too. <laughs> but even if it wasn't different, if if you're saying I was a sex worker, I was out working and doing my thought my thing, and then a guy, I felt like my life was in danger, so I killed him. But it's your word against nobody's because the person's dead. It's kind of that's hard to prove. Well. You're just, it's you're, different in her case though, and Eileen Warnos because it was it was oh she was so clearly a, a killer. yeah, and then one they kept popping up, so it was like yeah, she yeah. killed her over and over right, and over right. again. But that's what I mean though. That's why I'm like I don't think I think this case deserves to be looked mm-hmm. at, but it is possible that maybe this guy woke up and hit her or something, and she shot this guy to save her life. But this guy, from the perspective of this guy, he just he picked up a. Sex worker from off the streets. He was just doing. He was just creepy little thing. He was doing his creepy little thing. You know, I don't think he. There's no evidence that he was a serial killer or anything mm-hmm. like that. He's just a guy who liked to buy vagina. Right. And whether he forced himself on her or whatever, she said they went home and had sex and they went to sleep. And then went he to sleep. Something went wrong and she felt threatened and so she killed him. So anything in between that is needs to be looked into, but. This guy wasn't the person that kidnapped her. He didn't kidnap her. He didn't take her against her oh, will. See, I know all that. Yeah, she she was selling herself. But that's not good because she's a kid. But she was out there selling herself. But anyway, um, I don't remember how we got onto that. That's because I thought I the story I heard was completely different. The story when you told R. Kelly and then we, yeah, 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 you yeah. told us the first time it was yeah, yeah, yeah. it was she killed a, a pimp or whatever it was. Is that how I told it? You didn't say it like that, but it was it, it was how you when you told the story it was I, I might have told the story of like what people are saying. Yeah, that's the part you told. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why I, I, I might have told it that way and then I did more research and that's why I haven't kept up with the story right. because it wasn't that. Yeah, see the when you just the part you told now, I didn't even know you. That's yeah, new yeah, to me. Yeah. But nobody's talking about that story anymore because it kinda came and went, you know. Yeah. I don't I can't remember the girl's name. But at the all. reason why I bring it up because I heard it the other day and it was like I remember you telling it and the part you told I and the part you told I remember and it was like well, she was in she was in prison nine years before the story even came out, and I was like, "What the hell?" Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh huh. That's crazy. And then you know, but I mean, the, the the details get out, or somebody does a Vice story, or somebody does an article in a newspaper, and then that goes viral. Rumors, and man. People are like, "This? Can you believe this just happened?" It's like that happened, that happened years ago. You know, this girl's probably appealed several several times, and the you know whatever. But she might not have had the best lawyers to do it. So now maybe she's got lawyers in her corner that are, you know, if all these people that are sharing this story really care and aren't just sharing it to, you know, to seem like they're, because people do shit like that these days. And, you know, that's why I'm kind of sick of the internet. They'll be like, this is so sad. I'm so affected by this. And I shared it. So that makes me a good person. But if you aren't doing anything to help those people, you're just feeding off of that story Mm -hmm. to, for, for your own self gratification to be like, right. look how much I feel and how much I care about stuff. Cause that's how social media works nowadays. Hundred percent. So it's kind of gross. Sad, um, but you know, you know, we're not here to you know save the world. We're just here to tell you some fucked up shit, alleviate pressure from um, our uh, melanin deficient brothers out there, and also to unify the world by letting you know that 
everybody's dangerous, man. All these stereotypes and all that shit, throw it out the window. Anybody could be your downfall. Anybody could be a danger to you. So don't prejudge anybody. Judge everybody. Always be on the lookout. Feel like feel like it's been a while since we said that, but yeah, it's all, been a while. Yep. always be on the lookout, folks, because you never know who it could be. Black, white, or other, you know, it doesn't matter. But this the show was born with the purpose of helping those Coke bottle glassed. Uh, 125 pounds soaking wet, frail looking white guys who are just assumed that they might, you know, turn you to a lampshade, eat you, so on and so forth. We're here to say, hey man, anybody can be a serial killer. But not as worse, because we've yet to do, to do that, though. To do what? To do, be like, that wasn't that bad. We found somebody else that was... Oh, I will say every time we every time after we found that one a, I did like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, without a doubt, um, every time we've uh, found a white guy, there's a white guy to top every yeah th- of the most graphic yeah. stories of of minority serial killers we told. They really do have uh, they've lapped the serial killer game. It's insane. But we're trying to alleviate some of that pressure. We're trying to help help us help us help you. <laughs> you know, take it easy out there, folks, brothers, my white brothers. You know, take it easy out there. If you're listening to this and you got the urge to serial kill, you got to fight that urge, man. Re- represent your people well, you know, and, and, and get a job and don't be fucking sick out there. But um, we're done rambling. Wait, wait, wait. I wanted what? to do, um, wanted to give somebody a shout out on the page. Hold on, give me a second. Okay. Fran, oh God. You know, are you pandering again, man? What? I'm start calling you pander. what that mean? You pander, man. You, 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 you want Should I say the name? Sure, I don't give a shit. I want to give a shout out to... Angelique. Oh, uh, yeah, Angelique. That's the girl from South Korea, right? No, no, no. That's no. The, oh, that's the, the wonderful lady that made yeah. us knitted us yeah. the thing. Yeah. Uh, yes, Angelique. I want I that. Give her a shout out. Yes. Uh, Angel, what's her last name? Uh, Cougar. Cougar. I don't know. C O G R. She she she, <laughs> she looks in. like she looks like a cougar. Well, she's one so now. Like, we're, yeah. We're, <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, shout out to big shout out to Angelique. <laughs> what the um, hell is that? That was a cougar, uh, a cougar, a cougar growl. All right. Um, big shout-outs to Angelique. Um, I would love to get a P.O. box uh, soon so that you could mail us that. I, because of what we do on this show, I don't feel comfortable giving out either one of our real addresses. As bad as I wanted, I don't want to uh, give out an, an actual address, especially after that post that Fran put up. I found out a lot of dark shit about you people, and I don't want you guys to know where <laughs> I live. Um, you did this to yourselves, but Angelique, uh, that I forgot, I forgot to even mention that that was, um, very touching. We have gotten a fan art before, but that was, she nailed that one. She nailed it. Yeah. I mean, that was, that's she put our names on it. I think Fran's name might've been a little bigger, but that's fine. It's whatever. It's whatever. <laughs> you no, know, that's whatever. You, you, you did a beautiful thing and I, we would love to have that hanging up in the affirmative murder studios sometime soon. So, um, the minute we get set up in that situation, as far as having a, a PO box to send stuff to, we will get you that information and we, please don't burn it yeah, out hold of hatred hold because that. we don't, we aren't getting it. Please know that we want it really bad. Um, we just got to get that set up and we would love to have that and have it hung up and take pictures in front of it. So, we you know it's coming just wait on it and we would love that and we appreciate you and anybody who hasn't made us fan heart we fan heart we still appreciate you we appreciate everybody the facebook page is jumping everybody on there is hilarious and cool and has great taste in music and everybody's dope everybody on twitter is dope um and we appreciate all the love that we get and you know if you guys want to tell a friend to tell a friend we wouldn't hate that either you know why be greedy and not spread this joy that we've given you 
into the world with our golden voices. Me in particular, you know, uh, Fran is great as well, but you know, I think that my voice is similar to velvet and butter and you know, we've provided you guys with content and spread the word, man. Don't be greedy. But, uh, yeah, you got any more shout outs you want to give? No. All right, cool. Well, um, then I'm ready to get out of here. I'm hungry. And it's late. So uh, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams alongside my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. Catch y'all next time. Yes, sir. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 